Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Friday, May 28th, 2021. And uh, no, we're, we're complete liars here uh, at Tits of the Iceberg. There was no new Tits of the Iceberg show this week. And this show isn't even on time. But I digress. Oh, my God. Your host, your host this week, myself, Leanne Reed. Hi. Uh, weird couple of weeks, just lots going on. And uh, the, my philosophy is uh, the first thing to go is the podcast. Uh, I have an entire itinerary written up of, of things I want to talk about, and I'm just going to bump it down the line. Uh, namely, I know uh, we both watched Army of the Dead. <laughs> no, I've, I'm still like a third of the way through it. Fuck. <laughs> you fell, fell fuck asleep. I unfortunately watched it during the day, so I was wide awake watching uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. It's it's on Netflix. Well, I was very wide, long. Like, it was daytime for me too, Lee. I'm just I nap. You just you always just awake. put you comatose. You just went out narcoleptic yeah. <laughs> style. You're just like, holy shit! How did you make a zombie heist movie in Las Vegas like this? Anyway, <laughs> uh, stay tuned for New Tits of the Iceberg whenever that that episode hits for our review of that. We have a lot to talk about today in the world of video games. We have a lot of news lined up. Uh, E3 or Summer Game Fest, depending on what camp you fall in, is taking place uh, in a couple of weeks here, June. 12th, I think. It's, it's So E3 is starting on a Saturday this year, so a lot of the press conferences and stuff like that will actually be over a weekend, which, hey, cool. Uh, yeah. I guess. I, I, don't, I don't mind the weekday, during the day stuff, because it just kind of gets it out of the way. And then also, then I'm sitting at work and I can quickly react to what's happening yeah, uh, I, now I, effectively. That's, yeah. I was about to say, that's the reason why I like, like the daytime shows, is because I work at like a place that's about video games, so... Everybody here is always watching, and everybody's freaking out and reacting, yeah. so it's always great. Yeah, now now instead, you get to burn your weekend watching that shit instead of burning your workday watching that shit. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I gotta log in and, and do work, so so fuck you, video game industry. But I digress, everybody is uh, announcing things early. Things are just dropping left and right. We're gonna do a lightning round of news, we're gonna talk very briefly about what we've been playing, and then we are gonna get down to business with Mass Effect, Reed. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Sonic is turning 30 this year. They did a Sonic Central stream. Uh, they announced that Sonic-themed things are coming to a bunch of stuff. Two-Point Hospital will have Sonic mascots. You can play Sonic the Fighters, which is an awful game, uh, inside of Lost <laughs> Judgment, uh, which is coming out in September. Uh, they also announced that they're doing a Tokyo Olympics game. Tokyo 2020, which was an Olympics that didn't take place and was, in fact, a year ago. Uh, they did a Mario and Sonic one. Now they're doing a non-Mario and Sonic one, but they are putting Sonic into it anyways as a mascot. <laughs> open. So you can dress as Sonic and jump hurdles and dive and stuff like that, which is admittedly pretty funny. They also tease Sonic will be coming to Minecraft. Uh, they also uh, showed Sonic Colors Ultimate, which was of the era, one of the better 3D Sonic games, I guess, if you had to. It was originally a Wii game. Yeah, okay, gun to uh, your exclusive. head if you had to choose one. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're like play a Sonic, play a Wii game, uh, play a Sonic Wii game. Sonic Colors is the actual answer. If you chose Black Knight or if you chose Secret play Rings, so play a Sonic Wii game where I kill your family. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I guess Colors <laughs> has to be. Uh, people keep saying Unleashed was good, but they're wrong. <laughs> so uh, sorry. Anyways, uh, Uncharted 4, supposedly coming to the PC, uh, Sony was doing an investor thing where, uh, of course, notably, they showed a God of War Ragnarok logo, uh, so people ran it as a story, with that being the official God of War Ragnarok logo. Turns out, Sony, uh, in this investor's meeting, just went on Google Images and looked up God of War Ragnarok, <laughs> and just took the first image that came down, so we're to understand, uh, Corey Balrog, of course, uh, did the Picard facepalm after this, this broke a couple nights ago. <laughs> Uh, so, 
that is the name of the game, but that is not the logo for the game. Speaking of Sony, Horizon Forbidden West had a gameplay trailer drop yesterday. I watched it. Uh, it's Horizon, but uh, Jungle. Uh, West Coast, Pacific Coast, uh, San Francisco yeah, is I, what they showed. I'm excited. I, I platinumed the first Horizon, uh, one of the one of the three games I have platinumed, I think. I, Spider-Man, sure. Horizon, and God of War. Um, That's it. Where's Days Gone? You just- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm at like 90% for all of the Dark Souls and Bloodborne 2. Um, but yeah, I really like Horizon. I thought like it's surprisingly very interesting storyline. I'm pretty sure Lance Reddick was in it, so that's pretty awesome. He he sh- he certainly is in it. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I was confused. Like I've been playing so much Mass Effect. I'm like, was it fucking Keith David? That dude's in everything. <laughs> no, yeah, no, another very good voice on a guy. Uh, Keith David and and Anderson in Mass Effect, one of the better characters. Yeah, in the game. no, Keith David uh, and Lance Reddick play a lot of video game characters across a lot of series. Zavala and Destiny. You have that one. Hey, guy when in you Saints got that Row. voice. You're in demand. What can we say? Uh, But yeah, that looked great. Lots of new traversal stuff. uh, Lots of new ways to use the little triangle in your ear to to see things in the environment. Grapple hook. uh, You get a shield wing where you can glide and stuff like that. So all these games are just moving towards a singularity where like Genshin Impact, Breath of the Wild, and Horizon all just become the same game at some point. But... (laughs) that looked gorgeous. If you can watch, you can watch the gameplay in 4K. Looks amazing, uh, and uh, good for them. Looks good. Uh, yeah. No, no date on that game, uh, but looking forward to it all the same. Uh, and then suddenly, Stealth uh, Techland comes out and says, "Dying Light 2 will launch this December, December 7th, which I believe is Pearl Harbor Day." No, no correlation there. Uh, just, just stating it. <laughs> just a fun uh, fact. <laughs> I really liked Dying Light One. I know I will speak on behalf of one Rob Brambilla, who also really liked Dying Light One. Uh, it, the cool part about the game was showing you the micro level of a city that has been ravaged by a zombie outbreak, and really showing the human side of the story. Something that uh, Walking Dead and stuff like that s- supposes they are about, but didn't quite nail in the same way Dying Light does, where you have people really really granularly complaining about <laughs> the state of their lives uh and and cool uh parkour first person combat so what can you say about dying light other than it's coming out uh maybe someday we'll get that dead island uh, did you ever play dead island nope uh the only thing I, good i've ever heard about dead island from people is the trailer for dead island 2 which is pretty all right uh, I mean, the trailer for Dead Island 1 was the only reason it was hyped in the first place. It ended up being, like, kind of a sub-Borderlands co-op. It, it was fine. It was, yeah, it was I heard, yeah, that's yeah. basically the gist of what I heard, is that it's fine. <laughs> uh, another week, another Bloomborg, Bloomborg, Bloomberg report claiming that an upgraded 4K-capable Nintendo Switch could launch this fall. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I have no idea if this is true things are pointing to yes this is probably a reality at some point however if they call this thing the new nintendo switch we're gonna riot yeah absolutely uh, fucking brutal that's some that's some bullshit. And especially for considering that like what games can even on the switch will even take advantage of such technology like what fucking game is there well well that's just it is is the 3ds went ahead and did that with i think it was uh, the Warriors game, so Fire Emblem Warriors and Hyrule Warriors didn't require a new 3DS, but it should have because the performance was just ass on the previous ones. Uh, and then something like Minecraft, which is a massive game, which is crazy that they only released it on the new 3DS. Uh, and then Xenoblade, I think, for the for the yeah. 3DS was a new 3DS exclusive. They didn't really go all the way in. I mean, Nintendo could swing for the fences here and just say, like, Breath of the Wild 2 is exclusive to the new Switch or something fucked up. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think if Nintendo you're, if fans you're, would be yeah. like, great job, Nintendo. Good decision. Yeah, we'll buy it. Uh, <laughs> we're lining up already. Take our money. Uh, so 
they the sky's the limit. Like they can do whatever they want, uh, and they of course just touting that hey, this Switch is going to play the games you already like better uh, when you don't really have another option. PC's not entirely an option for emulators for Switch just yet, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, it's I don't know. We'll see what happens. Speaking of seeing what happens, uh, Pokemon, Pokemon, Diamond, that is Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were dated for November nineteenth this year. And Pokemon Legends Arceus was given a new trailer. That game is looking kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be out January 28th of next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, you know, always like, clearly I like Pokemon, so. <laughs> well, yeah, only a couple only couple months apart, too. So to burn through your uh, Diamond and Pearl remake and then get ready for a, a totally new Pokemon experience. Yep. In Arceus. At least Pokemon Home will make the transition from S- Sword to... Uh, Diamond Pearl will be very uh, painless and very easy what? transition. I don't know if you've looked into this, but what is the Pokédex situation in Diamond and Pearl? Are I have, no idea. I have no idea yet, but I, I got to assume that's a limited decks again. Hmm. Obviously, you'd have all the Gen Four, yeah, uh, and then you'd probably have everything released in Sword and Shield so far. Or do you? Are you? No, are you I would pants say. On head? I would say all of Gen Four, all of Gen <laughs> Eight, which is Sword and Shield, and then you know, select amounts from all the other gens. Yeah, the original 150, except Cubone, or <laughs> they do. Uh, Square Enix went ahead and uh, are celebrating Dragon Quest's 35th anniversary by announcing Dragon Quest 12 will be a game that exists. Dragon Quest 3 will get an HD 2D remake and uh, a number of other apps and uh, Dragon Quest-related goodies for the next year. But Dragon Quest 12 uh, will apparently have a voiced protagonist. I think for the first time in the series, so they're going to yeah, actually. That's pretty huge uh, for the series. For a series that is relatively. Stuck to their roots the entire way through. Yeah, like what's next? You're like Dragon Quest 13. You're in a car with your buddies, and it's action combat, and everybody's rioting. <laughs> everybody's wearing um, black leather. It's crazy that I mean, Final Fantasy did attempt to go back with 13. They they attempted to go back to the bread and butter basics. No, but, but they went too basic. No, 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 no. I completely no, dis- no, no, no. I completely disagree in almost every way. Um, FF 13. I'm saying not- in terms of battle. No, <laughs> like especially, in, especially in terms of battle and gameplay, I completely disagree. They're definitely going for an innovative new combat system that they wanted to be more cinematic than, uh, like, strategic, in a sense. Uh, it was not going back. It's not like you're selecting individual commands like you could if you're a fucking idiot. But the whole game's about basically creating a dance. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but you're wrong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, after that, they never went. They never looked back, right? Like we, we, well, like, we don't think they're gonna. Cause I'm talking about turn-based combat. Yes, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying with 13, but that was not, in my opinion, an attempt to get back at that whatsoever. I think ever since 9, 13 was barely had, an attempt of anything. I think ever. Just, I think ever since 10, they just haven't looked back on turn-based combat because they don't see it as uh, as as good for their market. I guess for whatever reason. And, Reed, please. Know, 10 pa- two. Ever since ten two. Oh yeah, sorry, ten two. But yeah, they're like whatever. All the power to him. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, Borderlands three maker dropping a huge update that will include crossplay for Borderlands three. Well, that's exciting. Except oh. PlayStation fans are getting dick skipped. Uh, uh, Randy Pitchford, president and CEO of Borderlands. You might know him as the guy who likes to leave USBs full of child porn at medieval times, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's good news and good bad news with this uh, crossplay announcement. Basically, Sony, as we learned during the Epic versus Apple uh, kind of court rollout there in the in the lawsuit, that PlayStation expects people to pay them 
to enable crossplay. Yeah, so it's no, not so much this yeah. they do this shit on like Smite too. Like like if you log on to PC for Smite, you can connect your Xbox or your Switch account and you can do cross progression progression between those two. But Sony's just like, fuck that. We don't want to pay. Well, Sony announced, uh, I mean, they, they, they very publicly said it's because they can't guarantee their user experience uh, playing with players from X- those filthy Xbox players. But <laughs> we learned, of course, later that, no, 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 they're, they're thinking fiscally. They're saying, uh, what if someone wants to play Fortnite on PS4, but they want to like spend all their money on Xbox? So, like, I have a bunch of gold points or whatever, so that's where I'm buying my Fortnite oh, cosmetics, oh, and then I'm playing on PlayStation. Well, that's lost revenue for PlayStation, and therefore, Epic, you need to pay us. Like, and and in that lawsuit, we learned that Epic did pay them. Um, like, but if you're going to play Fortnite on your PS4 to play with your Xbox buddies, you'll probably buy it on your PS4. It, it made no, no fucking sense to buy it on your Xbox and then just play on your Xbox. Like... Uh, they, You're absolutely right. Yeah. But they're saying there is an acceptable percentage of that happening, and then uh, and a percentage that isn't. Uh, how many games do you own that are crossplay that you actually play crossplay that you go either on console or PC? Right now, it's none. Right? Oh me, no. I play Warzone, which is crossplay. Um, I've played uh, Smite, which is crossplay. Okay, so PS4. right there. What if you every time you were like Warzone, you're like, oh, I want to spend some bucks on Warzone. You happen to be on PC, but then Sony knows you're playing and have those items, but they know you didn't buy them through the Sony PlayStation Network. Right, but I'm right, but I'm playing on my PC though. Like, uh, if I didn't have a PC, I would buy them on my PlayStation because I'm playing on my PlayStation. Um, but it is like Warzone is crossplay, right? Yes, it is. So you can you can go play on PlayStation and have all the stuff you've unlocked on PC, right? That's right, but like right. the amount of people that would do that, like <laughs> I'm not saying people... you your purpose. I'm not saying every time you spend money, you are consciously making a decision to buy it from PC. But PlayStation, or rather Sony, is thinking about that. That's ridiculous. You're saying if it is crossplay, what's to stop you from spending the money not on our platform? Okay, so Therefore, yeah, so then I just yeah. won't get the game for PlayStation. I'll just stay on PC instead. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so the issue there going forward now is that Nintendo, Microsoft, basically everyone except Sony, uh, is open to this. Is open to crossplay. It's it's really important <laughs> that this this right. works going forward, because, especially uh, for because yeah. in Xbox's mind is probably like it's probably like this. Like they're like, okay, this guy wants to play Fortnite with their buddy. I can either enable crossplay so he can buy Fortnite for the Xbox. Or he'll just go out and buy a Switch and play Fortnite on the Switch with his friend. And he's not going to play Xbox Or his mobile anymore. phone or some yeah. shit. And yeah. he's not going to buy any more Xbox games because now he has a new system. Speaking of no more Xbox games, Xbox and Bethesda's games showcase will be on June 13th. And of course, because they are each other now, uh, Bethesda gets top billing. They're, they're Xbox and Bethesda showcase. 90 minutes. People are thinking we're seeing Starfield at this thing. They're thinking Starfield is going to be an Xbox and PC exclusive. Maybe we see a little bit more of Elder Scrolls, uh, but I doubt it. And uh, we'll see what else they have cooking. Uh, the best case scenario for Fallout right now, because it seems like years before we'll probably get another solo Fallout game, is if Outer uh, Outer Worlds is being taken away from Obsidian and given to somebody else to elaborate on, and Obsidian is ready to launch that uh, like spell caster Elder Scrolls looking game themselves, then Obsidian is then free to do New Vegas 2? Like, that could be a reality? Uh, that's, I don't know, you're, you're reaching, bro. You're fucking I'm reaching. reaching because Xbox should probably plan to release 
some exclusive games on their console at some fucking point here. Yeah, and like if there if you ever wanted me to buy an Xbox, New Vegas Two would probably be the way to do it. But but at that point, it's going to be on PC as yeah, well. Exactly. So, you're fine. so yeah, I'm, yeah, but I'm happy. <laughs> so exactly, I'm happy either way. <laughs> BlizzCon 2021 is totally canceled, and all other events are pending. <laughs> okay. So that's so no no jackasses to show up and ask if it's a late April Fool's joke uh, this year because there will be no event. You guys Reed, have phones, right? What's that? You have phones, right? They got yeah, they got phones. What? Huh? You have a mobile mobile Diablo. What if people, you know, not every game is made for you. <laughs> and uh, so let's talk really briefly about Days Gone before we get into Mass Effect here. I think <laughs> in terms of what we played this week, you you're pretty much uh, all on Mass yeah, Effect. Like there's uh, nothing for me to talk about because we'll be talking about it when we talk about Mass Effect. Okay, huge spoilers for Days Gone. Uh, so in Days Gone, you find Sarah. She's working at the militia camp. She tries to cure the... Fu- I was about to say the genophage. She tries to cure uh, the zombification, the freaks, and she fails. And uh, Deacon's like, you can't give up. You got to keep trying. And uh, that's the end of that storyline. They don't talk about the cure again until some implications later in the story. Basically, after that point, the militia locks down. They decide they're going to march north through Lost Lake Camp. Uh, what I thought was going to happen didn't, uh, in which they don't go <clears throat> back to the facility where Sarah worked and fight over it. In fact, you never go back there again, Reed. Okay. Uh, so I, I took care of all the hordes in the game. That's something I did. There's no trophy for doing that. I want to point that out. I, I did this for no reason. Uh, basically, at a certain point, there were eight hordes left, and I'm like, I have no actual motivation to clear these. And I fucking did it anyways, because Deacon, at my point in the game, was just a whirling dervish of death. <laughs> I've got, like, fucking banana magazines and drum mags and, like, bombs falling out of my coat. I'm just like, get, get fucked, wait for the daytime, wait till they're all in a cave, plant a bunch of proximity mines, throw a bunch of grenades in the cave, and see all those uh, experience points pop up on the screen. Uh... Some busy work to do to get all the trophies in the game. I did platinum it. The game wraps up pretty much how you'd expect. Deacon ends up back with his old camps. They all come to support him and they defend their, uh, they stand their ground against the militia before marching into the militia camp and fucking, just fucking him in the ass. There's no, it's a landslide, dude. I thought it was going to be like, we're going to lose some lives here. Some, some equal sides fighting. No. Uh, it's fucked up. It's it's kind of like the uh, the Mines of Moria in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh. You've got like eight people, and they just fuck the entire room with <laughs> goblins up. Uh, wh- what is there to say? Uh, lots of motorcycles. Boozer gets an ice cream scoop on his hand so he can drive a shift on a truck, one of the only trucks you see moving in the game. Uh, they fill it full of fucking napalm or some shit, and uh, Boozer does a death fake out. Uh, you think Boozer is dead, uh, so the whole time Deacon St. John is working his way through this militia camp, and you think he he gives uh, gives out to rapists and murderers that he doesn't know. When he knows the people he's murdering, it's much more personal, Reed. And uh, there were some some glitches in the uh, the text or the the lines he was reading, so he would read the same one over and over again. Uh, there was a lot of, you killed Boozer, I'm gonna kill all of you, I'm gonna kill all of you, I'm gonna kill all of you, uh, <laughs> while I'm just gunning people down in Maybe this camp. Maybe he just really wanted to let them know, Lee. He's like, no, yeah, they didn't hear uh, me, I'm gonna kill all of you. So you, you take it to the colonel, who's sitting there drinking tea, as a, as a good bad guy does. Uh, you sit at the table, and he's holding a gun to Sarah, basically, and uh, Sarah manages to poison this motherfucker, and uh, he drops dead, and, uh... That's the end of the game? So, the <laughs> themes of Days Gone. <laughs> yeah, so... Deacon St. John, as a, char- as a character arc, 
it like he starts as a kind of hapless the only thing that's keeping him going is knowing his wife is alive he finds his wife is alive uh and then he be kind of kind of becomes the impromptu leader of that group of camps as iron mike is killed in the militia raid so they look to deacon and deacon rallies them and they all follow deacon and deacon is basically the leader after that what happens is after the credits which you get a happy and everyone lives boozer included they're like man uh, so sorry about boozer deacon and then boozer just uh, like almost comically like a muppet pops up in the scene and he's just like i'm alive and deacon's like you son of a bitch i really mercilessly killed a bunch of people in your name just now thinking you were dead uh Thanks for not radoing us and telling you you were okay or like anything. Boozer's Thanks just for a waiting until this precise moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, Boozer's just been supposedly just like hanging out under a bridge. Uh, so yeah, wanton destruction of humans by other humans, and again, the worst zombie stories have the zombies have nothing to do with the the ser- yes. the Sarah trying to cure the freaks and what the implications of that is, is are interesting having that quest line just be dropped for humans to fight humans yeah. and freaks to have nothing so, to like, do with it when George A Romero made the first night of the living dead that's when it was cool to have the theme of maybe humans are the real zombies that was and, the only time yeah and then every <laughs> time after that people have just copied that it's still fucking boring it's been boring yeah. since The Walking Dead, and it's still boring now. It's just so, like, why not make the zombies the big threat? Like, like, why do you think people like Left 4 Dead so much, besides the really fun gameplay, of course? Because the zombies if, are yeah. always fucking scary. They're always a threat. The final act should be, because it's mentioned all throughout, that these, these hordes of zombies are coming up through California, because there's millions upon millions of people there, and they're being driven north. And you're learning that these zombies, these freaks, are evolving. There, There's different types of zombies you meet later on that are more deadly, that also seem to fight the other freaks. They're, like, more self-aware. Not unlike the alpha zombies in fucking Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead read. Yeah. Uh... But they're they're kind of free agents. They they they're nuts. They're on their own. They're like hulking zombies that clearly are more intelligent. And the freaks attack them, and they attack the freaks, and they attack you. And that becomes interesting later in the game when you're dealing with hordes and stuff like that, where you can kite a bunch of these intelligent zombies to basically help you fight. Uh, and the implications of that. So Nero, uh, the the corporation, as far as we know, are good guys. They're going around. They're trying to figure out what's going on with these zombies, and they are trying to. As far as you know, they're trying to stave it off. They're trying to cure it. They're trying to restore order. That's what we think of Nero to this point and the character of O'Brien. When you beat the game, I thought there was going to be like waves of zombies are coming up through the north and Nero like shows up and they're just like, this is the big one. And then you have to defend the militia camp with all your guys there and be like, if we if we lose this, they're going to run re- roughshod through uh, the people we left behind in those camps and kill everybody. This is our only stand. We need to kill these zombies here. That does not happen in this game. Uh, the colonel dies. You ride off into the sunset with Sarah. What's really neat about this game and open world games that do this is that there is story to, that continues after the credits. Uh, you get some flavor dialogue and you get some actual scenes that are completely exclusive to the end of the game. One of which is you get called by O'Brien and he's very interested in Sarah and what Sarah has been doing with meddling with the the virus, and you meet Nero, and he you meet O'Brien from Nero, and he's like, "Listen to me, there's they're coming for you, and you need to be fucking ready, and they do not mess around." And Deacon's like, "What the fuck? You just showed up to fucking threaten me?" And then O'Brien takes off his his fucking mask he's been wearing the whole game, and something's up with O'Brien. Reed, um, th- he's got a zombie face. He's got like he looks like. 
So he's obviously super intelligent. He's obviously able to carry on a conversation. He's got veins and weird shit popping out of his face. And I believe the implication is here that Nero, completely devoid of any originality, is just Umbrella. Yes. They are taking the virus and they are mutating. The whole point, you, I don't need to tell you about Resident Evil. People keep taking the T-virus, changing it, uh, you know, injecting it and becoming superhumans. Wesker, for example, is, is basically, you take the zombie thing and you make it into the superhuman thing. And that appears to be what's happening here. So whoever is controlling Nero, uh, obviously doing further experiments on humans and they're coming and maybe they have a vendetta against Sarah who is trying to cure the thing. Um, to what end, dude? I don't know, but that's You'll basically You'll find the end out of the in weeks gone... <laughs> Then, You'll find out in a game that, that won't exist, and the, the issue at the end of this game and how it wraps up is that it feels like it's sequel baiting. It seems like, no, hold that back for no, next they, time. No, what that, what it should have been is as soon as O'Brien sent that, uh, Deacon turns to Sarah and goes, hey, it's up to us to take down Nero. Bam, 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 bam. What's that music? <laughs> but you never played Resident Evil 2? Uh, No. The game ends with Leon turning to Claire and saying, hey, it's up to us to take down Umbrella. And then really cheesy 70s porn music goes on. Would, did they ever succeed? Did anyone ever take down Umbrella? It seems like... <laughs> did anyone take down Umbrella? Yes. Like when Chris Resident... Redfield shot yes. the rockets yes. at, at Wesker yes. there? Yes, is that yes, the yes. end? Well, yes. And like, I, Lee, we don't have the time for this. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, and so that is going to be that on Days Gone. Do I recommend you play it? Again, it was free on PSN+. Plus. It is an above-average game. The visuals, the stealth uh, mechanics, and the, the gameplay there is all fine. Just the narrative doesn't pull you through, doesn't stick the landing, and goes on forever. And it's real rough when you're just doing fetch quests, and it's like you're in the 30th hour of the game, and it's like, go find me this. When you get there, you know exactly what you're going to do. It's going to be a mix of three different things, and that, that isn't compelling. Uh, that's the main problem with Days Gone, is it is no, does not compel you to finish it. Did it. Not, it did not even deserve half the time you have given it on this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, by all accounts, move the fuck on. Mass Effect. We gave it a little preamble. Last week, talked a little bit about Reed, who is uh, sitting down to play it for the first time mm -hmm. in the form of the Legendary Edition. I have been tempted all weekend to fucking buy that thing and play through Mass Effect once more, but I've so far been strong. Uh, so this will be kind of interesting. I love Mass Effect uh, for a number of reasons. Reed, I was hoping you would get hooked on it. I, I had no doubt that you would. This last weekend, I'm to understand, you had a few marathon sessions of the first Mass Effect. Yeah, I've, so I've been streaming the entire Mass Effect Legendary Edition so far on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Doors. Um, oh, and I'm uploading all of it to my YouTube as well, <laughs> Doors at YouTube as well. Uh, but yeah, absolutely having a great time with it. I fucking played like 12 hours this Sunday and streamed the whole thing because I like was super into Mass Effect 1 and it just pulled me in. It's a good uh, book, man. Can't put it down. Yeah, once I got to like Noveria and stuff. So I've already been Mass Effect 1 because of that wow. one huge grinding day. Fuck you, Saren. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've moved on since to um, Mass Effect 2 and I'm now a few hours into that. And, like, I, man, I have so many things I want to talk about in regards to Mass Effect 1 and why it's uh, so successful, in my opinion, and, yeah, how, and how unique it is for me. So, like, as you know, I've said on this podcast before, I'm a huge KOTAR fan. Uh, Mass Effect we 1. We know! <laughs> Mass Effect 1, in a lot of regards, is the exact same game. 
but there yes. are improvements and in some cases uh I, I would say not improvements in some some ways uh what i love about this game in comparison to a lot of rpgs of this kind where it's usually like you have a bad a good and a and a middle option it's not it's not like new vegas where you could have like every emotion on the spectrum available on your list to choose from but it's good enough um Whenever I play in a game like this, if it's like Kotar or whatever, I'd always be like, all right, this is going to be the Paragon playthrough, or this will be the Renegade playthrough. The- Mass Effect was like the first game that I was like, no, how about like I have a very specific kind of personality and way I would treat certain people or certain situations. And despite my own personal feelings of what I think is best for gameplay, I'm going to choose that option. That's how uh, I always play. Yeah, yeah, so it's like I chose a role play and I actually stuck with it throughout the entire thing, which I don't usually do. I usually get sucked in by game mechanics and I really like to mid-max. Uh, That's right. just like the RPG guy in me. But this game was just like... Because uh, it's not like every decision was difficult or tough or anything, but they were all very interesting choices because mm-hmm. everybody that you came across was such a was such a character with so much personality and that's the other thing I really like about the game is how effortless, like, these characters are. Like, they're not trying to make these characters some, like, weird um, personality trait that you've never come across before. These are very classic character templates. Like, Garrus is, like, a, like a, like a classic... Hard-boiled ac- cop. <laughs> yeah, hard-boiled cop action hero who doesn't play by the rules and, like, damn it, give me your badge. And he's, Rex, uh, he's kind of like the worst kind of cop because he's like uh, <laughs> law, law, order, and justice, but also a yeah. bit uh, revenge-driven. No, he's just, <laughs> he's just like, oh, political – it gets in the way of me just – and then Mass Effect 2, the dude's just straight up killing people with no like <laughs> uh, cause for reason or anything. But yeah, yeah. so – like, not even a specter. Yeah, and then like Rex. Rex, they're just like, what do we do with Rex? Well, why don't we just make him like a badass Texan? And, like, it's great. It works. Like, within five seconds of meeting Rex, you basically know everything you need to know about his character going forward throughout the rest of the game, which is fucking perfect. You compare that to something like Mass Effect Andromeda, and, like, everybody... I, I mean, do we need to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda here? <laughs> and, we talk about it at the very end. Fine. Yeah, fair. I'm just saying that, uh, like, the characters are night and day because they're all very distinct, classic, easy personality traits to understand. And that's a big strength of Kotar in that same regard as well. Yeah. Um, so this was, uh, I mean, to give it some backstory, Mass Effect yeah. was the first game, I think, Bioware released after Kotor in, in, this was in 2007, Kotor if was 2003? What, what Andrew at work has told me was Mass Effect 1 was originally going to be Kotor 3 until they repurposed it to be Mass Effect. Which, good. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, so the first game, a little more primitive in, in terms of gameplay and, and shooting mechanics and abilities and stuff like that. They streamline that in the later games and make them a little more action-friendly. That's not to say that they are lesser RPGs, uh, but in terms would, of dialogue and, I would and say, stuff like that. I would say yeah. they're, they, Mass Effect 2 so far has actually been a quite a bit of lesser RPG. Mass Effect it, I mean, 1, yes, on, Mass, on paper. Yeah, uh, Mass yeah. Effect 1 is an overabundance of skill trees and points to pour in, which I like personally. Yeah, uh, so people are split on that. People, there, there are a lot of people who said in Mass Effect 2, you know, fantastic, great follow-up, but I wish they had kept more of that deep RPG blood in there. But, you know, it works out. Uh, and Mass Effect 2 accomplishes, uh, first and foremost, the narrative uh, is, is what's... The most important thing in here, of course, you have the dialogue wheel that games have been copying as recently as Fallout 4. 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, the patented dialogue wheel. And of course, as you mentioned, the Renegade and Paragon options, you are not uh, penalized from choosing these. However, if you choose them more often, you sometimes will get uh, very specific, unique dialogue options uh, later in the game. Of course, Renegade is the more awesome or uh, <laughs> downright mean uh, choice to make, whereas Paragon is, is more benefiting everyone, the morally superior choice. Uh, and if you if you go back and forth on these, it'll make Commander Shepard seem a little bipolar, uh, but that's fine. You can, of course, Commander Shepard is the role you play in this game, a soldier uh, who becomes the first human specter. Uh, you are uh, operating under Anderson, who is the captain of the Normandy, uh, let's just stop right there and talk about the fucking world building uh, that Bioware does in the opening two hours. Like, basically from the opening mission uh, to when you get to the Citadel and start to unlock Codex stuff. And you went ahead and did what everybody does, which is listen to the whole Codex, I believe. Yeah, I listened to it after I was done the game, basically, to get a lot more backstory about everything that I So much context. Yeah. And, and and told, like, they, they, they're just long enough that you get the fucking point without droning on. Uh, and you have that, you have, a, they're all voiced. Uh, so you have a guy just kind of reading them to you like it's fucking Encarta. Uh, and they're telling you about these, like, the alien races for me, for example. Like, learning about the Elcor and being like, well, what an interesting alien species. Let's go to the Codec and learn why they look like this, why they talk like this. It's all there. Yeah, and, uh, it's, and it's all it's narrated so rich. very well, too. Mm-hmm. And in, de- in general, what you're saying about the dialogue is totally true, too. Uh, because everybody is a military person, they have an excuse for every character to get to the point of what the conversation is about in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So in another game, you could be like, oh, explain to me the magical, mystical quest or whatever the fuck. But in this game, it's just like, Commander Shepard here, what's the situation? Oh, Shepard, we need to get into that building and evac some civilians. All right, I'm going in. Boom, done. Right, here I go. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, my mind is completely blank. Uh, so you can kind of have a choice whether or not you deal with the bureaucracy of the Citadel. Uh, and of course, when humans discovered the mass relay, the first uh, tribe they ran into was the Turians, and there was a first contact war. So humans entered the scene uh, doing what humans do, which is killing other creatures uh the citadel races kind of stepped in and and there was a truce and everything like that we learned that the citadel uh there are three races species whatever you want to call them that sit uh as as basically the top of the citadel and that's the asari which are the blue aliens uh i won't say ladies because that's kind of ambiguous to the to the race they appear to you as what you want them to appear to you as uh, so we see them in humanoid form, uh, but Salarians might see them more as lizard people, etc. Uh, you have the Salarians, uh, who are a very short-lived race. They have a really high metabolism. They barely live to 20. They are super intelligent. Uh, they look down on most of the other races in the Citadel because they just think they're dim-witted by how slow they are. Uh, I should mention the Asari also live hundreds of years uh, and thousands go through many different of phases of their life. They go uh, through thousands our, of years, by the way, and also the Turians like struck. Yeah, and also the Turians <laughs> struck first against the humans. The humans did not strike first. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's what they want you to believe, man. Uh, there's also the <laughs> fake <Krogans>. news. <laughs> Uh, which are kind of like the Klingons. They were not a spacefaring race. The Turians uh, asked them if they wanted to join the their basically th- army, and they voluntarily joined. However, uh, they started populating out of control on other planets when they were basically allowed to spacefare before they were ready, and the Salarians had to devise a genophage, which cost them uh, basically generations of newborns. Uh, so this is something that's in the background that we, we learned a little bit about later and throughout 
Uh, yeah. There are a number of other alien species, like the Hanar, uh, which are the jellyfish guys, the, the Elcor we already talked about. Uh, there's the Volisk, which are the little short guys. Um, there's the Keepers, which are a mysterious kind of like bug guys that hang out on the Citadel and maintain it. It is illegal to investigate them, which is always interesting. And it's very Star Trek as well. Saying it's illegal to do something or like w- with no reason given is kind of mysterious. Uh, the Citadel itself was not not built by any of these races, Reed. Uh, the Asari came upon it. They just found it in space. Showed up. The Keepers were already there taking care of it. The Asari uh, established it. The Salarians joined them. The Turians later. And now the humans are vying for a spot. Uh, thinking they're high and mighty and important. Even though they're the new kids on the block. Um, and of course, from the point of view of the humans. Humans are very versatile. We're very foolhardy. Uh, the other alien races see us as kind of like uh, young, dumb, and full of cum, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and, and Commander Shepard here becoming the first Spectre is very important because they basically have a license to kill. You are a Spectre. You can kind of do what you see fit around the galaxy. As long and as the you accomplish your back goal. You. Yeah. yeah, as long as you accomplish uh, your goal. There is also the Quarians uh, who live in a flotilla. They created an AI. Uh, they created the Geth. Uh, who drove them from their homeworld. Uh, so the Quarians now live in a flotilla. They don't have a homeworld to call the, their own. Uh, therefore, they have a whole bunch of, of actual genetic problems with them where they can't really handle air <clears throat> and uh, being exposed to to the elements, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and they also go on pilgrimages to bring stuff back to the ship. They are vastly interesting. And their yes. relationship with the Geth going forward, uh, without spoiling anything, there is a character in Mass Effect 2 that is like top three and uh, completely changes your entire view on that situation uh this game is absolutely phenomenal so it takes place in the year 2183 uh sorry that's when the humans find the mass relays uh we we know about the protheans uh through the opening mission where uh first of all they're killing people right off the bat uh so you know party members are vulnerable in this uh in this universe uh we get our our main party in this game is ashley caden tally garris rex and liara uh we learn about Saren. Uh, Artarius, I believe is his name, which is like the best bad guy alien name. No, and it's like something. So, fun fact before this, actually, uh, the other Spectre that you run into before Saren, and the guy that Saren portrays, who is a fellow Spectre, is named Nihilus. Nihilus yeah. clearly being a reference to Darth Nihilus of Kotar 2. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah. So, the Mass Effect universe, some it, it establishes itself somewhere between Star Trek and Star Wars. It presents an idyllic future where all these races are working together, living together on the Citadel and that uh, open trade and stuff like that are great. However, on the star Wars side of things, there are smugglers, bounty hunters, people breaking the law constantly and huge threats to the universe, Yeah, uh, which is also something star Trek shares. Yeah. There's still bars and strippers and poker and like drugs. Like, uh, (laughs) and like I said about the characters earlier, there are characters very reminiscent of Star Wars in a sense, whereas Star Trek is a lot of, um, you know, idealistic people. Star Wars is like, you got, you got your rogues and your funny guys, and then you got your damsels, you got your badass women, and that's what Mass Effect has too. It has Garrus, who, like you said earlier, is that beat up cop and shit like that. You're pretty taken with Garrus, eh? That's your... Garrus is pretty awesome. No, but I'm just saying that's... I think that's what makes the universe so strong as well is um, believable characters even though they are alien to us as opposed to characters like in Star Trek who are very alien to us but are human. Yeah, there's a... There's a bunch of other stuff we didn't even cover here. You get to kind of choose the backstory of your shepherd which doesn't ultimately 
change a lot of the game. No, uh, but it does. Yeah, it's, there's a bunch it, of other alien uh, races and stuff. We come up with the Balerians, Bal- Balerian. Those guys with all the eyes. What are their names? Balerians. Bal- I don't know. Bognarians. God. Damn oh, Batarians. Batarians. Uh, Thank yeah. you. So the game opens, and we'll, we're gonna almost have to call it quits here for the day. But uh, Saren is uh, fucking around. He's he's got Geth under his employ. He's fucking around on this planet. You show up and touch this beacon. Uh, the Protheans apparently, even though they were super advanced, left a answering machine of their entire being in the form of like a giant spire that you just go up and touch and you're, you get mind fucked. I guess. <laughs> um, I I don't want to spoil anything that happens later in the series. So when it comes to story beats and things. Uh, that obviously I know more about. I'm going to just play dumb and let you go through this game and tell me your choices and then I'll tell you my choices. Right. And I won't imply what happens later. Because a lot of the things that happen in this first game do resolve in the third game. Whether or not you you agree on how much time they're given is up to you. But something like the Rachni, for example. Okay. The Rachni Queen uh, is something that, that comes back later, later on. Uh, Rex, uh, whether or not he makes it out of this first game... Uh, I, I'm assuming you know that Rex can uh, cannot make the credits, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Uh, when I was streaming, Andrew, who also works here, was in my chat, and he was just like, "He's just like, be very fucking careful coming up." And I was like, "Okay." And the general vibe you get during that part, anyway, is like, "Okay, this is a big decision." Whether, yeah, you know, it's pretty easy. So, whatever. so in Mass Effect Two, and I'm not going to spoil anything by saying this, <clears throat> but they take that Rex moment. And they kind of crank it up to 11. And oh. uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So yeah, Saren's uh, up to no good. He is a specter. He is a Turian. Uh, so he holds a little more clout in the Citadel than a human would. Especially if you and Anderson are the only ones uh, with allegations against him. And the Citadel and the... Uh, what are the Council? Are they called the Council? The Council. Uh, they're, they're reluctant to believe what you're saying about Saren up front. Even though Saren is... He's there. Present. Clearly up to something. And after the fact, they basically give you carte blanche to be like, figure it out, uh, Shepard. See what you can you can do. Um, and you learn about, like, what do you know about the Reapers so far in Sovereign? Me? Yeah. Yeah, you really don't remember a lot about Mass Effect 1. No, I know all of this. I'm asking you what you know. Oh, so in Mass <laughs> yeah. Effect 1, you meet Sovereign, you have a conversation with him, you understand that the Reapers are the ones that, bit this, that built the Citadel, not the Protheans. That's all just one big cycle so they could advance whatever race emerges to the highest peak of their uh, evolution and technological advancement. Then they get them to activate the mass re- – uh, so they get them to activate the mass relay that's inside the Citadel that will pull the Reapers out of deep space so the Reapers can – and I, I don't know why yet. And god damn it, Shepard has asked this question a lot. She's just constantly like, why the <laughs> fuck do you guys do this? And the Reaper's always just like, nah, That's for us to know and you to find out, yeah. human. So, like, they keep, they keep, like, like, they keep guessing that, like, oh, maybe they want slaves and also resources and also technology. Maybe they're hoping that one race, like, manages to build a technology they weren't able to. Uh, who knows? So I don't know that much yet. And then you basically stop all... You shut the fuck down Sovereign at the end of Mass Effect 1, obviously, no matter right. what. Uh, so Mass Effect 2 is basically just the Martin Sheen being like, we need, we need to stop the Reapers. Why does he have a lisp? That's what he sounds like to me. Okay, fair. Um, uh, 
Yeah, so basically Martin Sheen and Cerberus, who are humans, acting on human interests, uh, devoid from the council, basically. And, you know, a lot happens with Cerberus in the games, you'll see. Um, but that's all the way in Mass Effect 2. We still have to talk about one. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. We're, we got a lot to yeah, talk about. We I got to talk about the entire story of Mass yeah, Effect I 1, and so I don't would, worry. Yeah, and I really would like to talk about how uh, the character interactions and their quest lines mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, like... The absurd fucking inventory system of Mass Effect 1. <laughs> We've set the table. Uh, we're going to talk about weapons, combat, character interactions, building your character, and then using that character and uh, and navigating the different moral choices of the first Mass Effect. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. So a great first start of the conversation. I'm very excited uh, to get to more Mass Effect. And I b- believe you me, if I get through this weekend without downloading Legendary Edition, I'll be surprised. <laughs> anyway, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Leah to see iceberg.com is our email address. Send us questions, topics, if it's cool or whatever. We might, uh, we'll choose Renegade and we'll put it on the, bo- on the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> for myself, Lee, and for Reed, that's going to be the show. Thank you for signing up. And a quick shout out to Nathan Barnett, who the video game community might know as Keith Apicary, who's going through some shit right now. Support that guy. He's very talented. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back again next week.